Hi guys, how's everyone doing? I think if someone walked in right now, they might think that I already preached and you guys are like teary-eyed from just an amazing message. But um, thank you for sharing your testimonies. That really blessed me. And I think that was one of the things I was really excited about tonight was just to hear about how um, the retreat went. And Pastor Anna was actually, um, she's actually, she was actually um, my ex-roommate. So we used to live together uh, when we were in Busan. And so we were each other's practice spouse. Yeah, so I was just really excited for her. This was, I think, her first, like, retreat kind of main engagement speaker. And so I was really excited to hear just how amazing it was. Um, if you're sitting alone, like, in, alone in a row, I want you to actually sit with someone. Hey, don't be alone. <laughs> One person. <laughs> yeah, sit with someone. Come on, you guys like each other, right? Do you guys like each other? Love each other? Yeah? Shrugs? <laughs> okay, um, let's actually turn to the main text for tonight. I'm going to preach from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 26. It's kind of a long passage, but it's a very good passage. Once again, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 26. Are we all there? Okay. Uh, I'm going to read the first verse. I'll start with verse 12, and I want all of you guys to read the next, and we'll just go back and forth. Is that okay? Okay. Starting with verse 12, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. which are more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. Okay, and then the last verse, verse 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. All right, amen. Um, I just want to say it's an honor to be preaching at an Emmaus large group. 
It's my first time. I've been preaching for a couple of years now, but it's my first time at an Emmaus large group. And I spent the whole day with college students because I teach at a college and now I'm here. So I just can't get away from you guys. Um, but I like you guys. So <laughs> it's good. Um, I was a little intimidated. I was like, man, these kids are like probably really cool and young and like hip and they know all the like latest terms and all these kind of things that I don't. Um, but all in all, I'm just really thankful to be here. And I was kind of thinking about my uh, college days. And when I was in college, I actually started off as a bio major. And our school was very white. Okay, there are many white students. There was only like 1% of Asians, I think. But many of those 1% Asian students were bio pre-med track. Okay, I know it's very stereotypical. <laughs> But it was true, okay? So it was me and, like, all these other Asian students, right? And one of my friends, um, his name was Mike, but we used to call him Big Mike because he was Asian and six feet, okay? Which is not that big, but it's big for an Asian person, I guess. So we used to call him Big Mike, and we took Bio 101 together. And one day we were just kind of sitting in class, and uh, he, was, he looked over at me, and he was like, Hey, Lydia. Isn't this so fascinating? He looked at his hand. He was like, there's like cells swimming everywhere. And I was just like, who are you? (laughs) And so, but the thing about Big Mike was he was one of those guys that he knew what he was going to end up doing in his life. Aren't you kind of jealous of those people? Because when I was in college, I didn't know. I ended up becoming an English major. Um, not really knowing why I became an English major, except that I loved reading books. Uh, but Big Mike, he knew. He was like, I'm going to be a doctor. And so he had this, like, fascination about the human body. And even for me, like, when I look at my body, I'm like, yeah. You know, this body is like, you know, we live with it every single moment. We can't get free of it. But if you really think about your body, it's really fascinating just how it works, Right? And so I think it's an amazing analogy that the Apostle Paul draws between our physical body and the body of Christ, which is you guys, okay? It's beautiful and it's also very fitting, okay? Because the body of Christ is meant to dwell together in unity, but not uniformity, diversity, yet without division, okay? And it also reminds us that growth and maturity... Just like your body grows, okay, and you also grow spiritually, emotionally in different ways. It's not just an individual process, but it's a communal process. It's like how your body, do you guys actually know how many body parts you have? Does anyone want to just take a wild guess? Don't start counting. <laughs> okay, but there is actually, according to the American Association of Anatomists, AAA, there are 7,500 named parts in your body. Okay, so all those individual parts have to grow, and all those individual parts have to grow together and learn how to work together. And you can kind of see this when you see like babies or toddlers that are just learning how to walk because they're not fully grown and their bodies have not yet quite learned how to work together. You guys know what I mean? Have you ever seen a toddler try to walk? Like we just walk like this. How do they walk? I'm going to try to copy. (laughs) Okay. They usually put their hands up. 
And they're like teeter-tottering, like, oh, like, you know, about to fall to the ground any second, okay? Okay, this is because their body parts have not quite learned how to work together. There's a maturity of each individual part, but there's also a maturity that includes the whole, the community, okay? And so today, I kind of want to talk about that, the communal maturity. Because when you look from outside in into a community, you can notice different people. Like, wow, like Joanna. Man, this girl, she's so mature. You know, she's so anointed. Look at the way she prays. Wow, Diane, look at the way she serves the speaker for tonight by bringing mo candy and water. You know, like, you can notice just specific people, like, stand out. Okay, but what we really want to see is not just couple individuals here and there grow and mature and stand out, but we really want to see the entire body grow and mature. This is why in John 13, chapter uh, chapter 13, verse 35, it says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. So as a community, I want to ask you, SNU, how are you growing as a community? Are you growing in your love, in knowledge, in discernment? Are your relationships growing in intimacy? Is it bearing fruit? And, you know, I just want to just ask you, take a look around the room. Take a look around. Yeah, don't be shy. Make eye contact. Okay. These are the people that you are stuck with. These are the people that you're stuck with to grow together, okay? Whether you like them or not, <laughs> whether they have personalities that are endearing or annoying, okay, you are stuck with them, <laughs> okay? You know, just in our physical bodies, I think all of us here are full grown. Are you guys all full, gro- full grown or are you still growing? You guys are full grown, right? Because I know that some men grow till like past 20 years of age. So maybe some of you are still growing. Okay. But if you're growing, you're probably not growing this way. You're probably growing this way. Okay. But spiritually, Ephesians 4.13 says that uh, we spiritually, we are still growing together until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's a, that's a deep statement. Go home and think about it. Okay. But what this basically means is spiritually, we are still growing together as one body. Okay. So today I want to talk about what it means or how we can grow together as a community. Okay, so the first point that I want to bring up from this passage that we read in the beginning is you be you, let me be me. Okay, let me say that again. You be you, let me be me. Okay, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 4, in the NIV, it says, each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. Okay, the first mark of a mature Community is when individuals are free to be themselves without the burden of comparison. Okay, the body of Christ needs you to be you. You need to be you. Without apologies, unashamedly be yourself. You know, sometimes we wonder, what kind of contribution can I possibly make? Do you ever ask yourself that in your life? But can I just say that the greatest contribution that you can make as an individual is to be who God has created you to be to the fullest 
and to function as only you can. Okay, when you look at your feet, okay, you want your feet to look like feet and to function as feet. You don't want your feet to look like an eye and see. Is that correct? I know it sounds ridiculous, but it's true. You want your hands to be able to do what a hand is supposed to do with five fingers. Okay, look like you want it to look the way that it looks. It's supposed to look. Okay, in the same way, in the spiritual body, you need to look like you. And you need to function as only you can. With your giftings, your talents, your testimony, your personal story, what you like, what you dislike. You know, every organ or every part of your body, there's strengths and there's weaknesses or limitations. Okay, for example, your eye cannot grab onto anything like your hand can. Is that correct? Okay, let's hope that's true. Okay, these limitations, are they flaws? No, they're not flaws. Okay, but you know, even for me, I used to think to myself back in my more insecure days, <laughs> okay, I used to think to myself, what is wrong with me? Man, Lydia, what is wrong with you? Because I used to look at other people, right? And I used to think, man, this person is so talented. This person can sing well. This person is, man, look at her. She's so beautiful, but look at me, okay? These are thoughts that would constantly go through my mind. And I have in Korea what they call the sam cheese, the three cheese. Kilchi, which is you don't know how to find your way around, directionless person. Okay, the next one is umchi, you can't sing. Okay, and the next one is monchi, you can't dance. Okay, so I have all of them. And I used to look at myself and be like, gosh, can I just not do one thing like well that I want to do well? You know, and what I realized over time as I grew older and more mature in the Lord is these are not my weaknesses. This is just who I am. This is just who God has created me to be. This is my design. This is my blueprint. And just like you will never talk to your eye and say, what's wrong with you? Why can you not grab anything? Okay. You cannot look at yourself and say, what's wrong with you? Okay. It is just not part of your design. And so what's important is that we embrace our design. We embrace who we are. Uh, once again, in verse 15, it says, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Okay. It sounds ridiculous when we think about our body parts saying to us, hey, I'm not a hand. So peace out, okay? I'm not going to be part of your body. Then what will happen to you? You'll be crippled. Okay, but this is what we do to ourselves or what we do to the body of Christ a lot. We disqualify ourselves. We say, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not beautiful enough. I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not intelligent enough, whatever it is. Okay, and we disqualify ourselves and we think it's just about us, but we're, what, we're, what you're actually doing is you're crippling the body of Christ. Okay, I know this is the message that the world gives a lot. You are not blank enough. Is that correct, right? You hear it a lot everywhere you go. 
Okay, you heard it probably from your parents even sometimes. And that's why we think, oh, I need to get a better education, or I need to buy this product, or I need to be fashionable like Joanna, or I need to get plastic surgery, or whatever it is. But I want us to really get a perspective of how God sees us. Because when he sees us, he sees perfection. Because he created us, and he said it was good. And the only thing that I could think about kind of similar is what we say when we look at a newborn. Usually when you see a newborn, you say what? So perfect. Your baby is so beautiful. Okay, honestly, guys, is that baby that beautiful? Or is that baby wrinkled and red and slimy? (laughs) Okay, and not all babies are cute. We have to be real, okay? (laughs) But it doesn't matter. Why? Because they're perfect. There's something about the innocence that we have when we look at a baby that we need to regain when we look at ourselves. Because that's how God looks at us. He doesn't look at us and say, what's wrong with you? You know, why can't you do this? We don't look at a baby and say, what is wrong with your face? (laughs) You know? Okay, we need to be able to see ourselves the way that God sees us. And we, we love those babies even when they didn't do anything. They have done nothing, absolutely nothing. Okay, they just were born. And the same way, whatever we have done or not done, okay, it doesn't matter. God looks at us and he says that we are good. Okay, a lot of times, the reason why we feel so lacking is because of the spirit of comparison. And this is something I want to touch on because I think it's very prevalent everywhere we go. And it's something that I, you know, personally also struggle with. And we like to compare ourselves, I think, to people who are similar to us. It's more of a temptation, right? To compare ourselves with, to people with similar giftings. For example, like for me, I will never compare myself to Pastor JP's like singing skills or something. Like... I wouldn't even touch it. I would be like, I don't sing, okay? I'm not insecure about my singing because I know I suck at singing. Okay, so I'm, I'm not going to even go there. But if it's about preaching, okay, that's another story. That's something that I had to really guard my heart about. Because I look at other preachers, I'm like, man, she's so anointed. Anna, Anna Corpening now. I'm so used to saying Anna Rowe. Okay, Pastor Anna, she's so anointed. She's so funny. She's so this. You know, and I look at myself, I'm like, what's wrong with me? Okay, so the spirit of comparison all, often comes out in the place of our giftings, okay, in the place where we know it's our strengths. Okay, it's kind of like if you look at your fingers, okay, let's just imagine your fingers can talk. Okay, your pinky finger says, oh, I'm not as great as my middle finger. I'm not as big. I'm not as strong. Okay, they're both fingers, right? They both serve a very similar purpose. Okay, so it's very easy for my little pinky finger to get insecure about its weakness, about the way that it's not as big as my middle finger. Okay, okay, I know I'm being a little ridiculous, but I hope this can kind of like carry over to some spiritual truths being relayed to you guys. Okay, but did you know that your pinky finger doesn't lack because it's not as big as your middle finger? 
In fact, there's research done that without your pinky finger, you will lose 50% of your hand strength. Okay? Your pinky finger needs to be a pinky finger. Your middle finger needs to be a middle finger. Your index finger needs to be an index finger. Okay? You must become the best version of you, not become a mediocre version of someone else. Okay, let me say that one more time. You must become the best version of you, not become a mediocre version of someone else. You be you. Okay. Just a funny story. You know, I'm part of a CG community group in New Philly right now. I'm not leading it. Actually, my husband and um, sister KK, I don't know if you guys know her, but she, uh, they're leading it together. And, you know, we kind of are kind of a new CG. We don't really know each other that well. So we did this icebreaker activity recently. And it's just a very simple activity where each person writes a question. Everyone puts it in the middle. You choose one, you answer it. And I was like, oh, I don't know what question to write. And Rona is in um, my CG. And Rona was like, how about those, like, would you rather questions? And I was like, you mean like JP? <laughs> she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, no. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Would you rather question? So the first, I think the first time I heard this would you rather question from Pastor JP, I was like, what? <laughs> Are you serious? In my mind, I was like, the, the answer to your question is neither, first of all. But then part of my mind was like so busy working like, I don't know which one, which one, which one should I do? Because <laughs> I think his question was like, would you rather have like wings or would you rather have like a gill, like a fish, but it's like sticking out and everyone can see or something like that. I was like, what the crazy question is this? <laughs> and so I was like, no, no, no. But one of our CG members actually decided to write a would you rather question. And this was his question. Would you rather have an extra nostril or an extra toe? <laughs> I know the question is, the answer is neither, neither guys, always. <laughs> okay, but you have to choose one. You have to choose one. That's the, that's the rule, right? And so, you know, the guy who got the question, he chose the nostril, which I didn't understand because toe you can hide, but nostril is like, you know, I was like, I was like, no, Jonathan, you're not going to be very kissable if you do that. You know? But, but he was like, no, but nostrils serve a purpose. Like if you would like smell better or something. And I was like, no, 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 no. Okay. But what, I, what I'm trying to say, guys, is it doesn't add to the body if you add another person, a, a carbon copy of another person, okay? This world, this body doesn't need another Mother Teresa. It doesn't need another Amy, okay? It doesn't need another Pastor JP, no matter how awesome he is, okay? It doesn't even need another Jesus, Okay? This body needs you, the most mature version of you. Okay, so in order for the body of Christ to reach full maturity, in order for you guys as a community to continue to mature, you must actively come against the spirit of comparison. And I don't even know exactly how except to just stop it. <laughs> it's a losing game. When you realize that there's no, nobody wins in this situation, 
but it's a losing game, okay? Comparison is really the trap of the devil. It's a strategy that the enemy uses to make people believe the lie that they are lacking, that they're deficient. And what it leads to is a lot of striving. It leads to anxiety. It leads to depression. It leads to perfectionism. Okay, and it robs people of their individuality and their unique destinies. And so tonight, I really feel like God is saying to each of you individually that you are enough. That you are enough. That you lack nothing. That who you are, who God has created you to be, is enough. Okay, my second point, moving on. Let me just drink some water. Okay. You be you. I'll be me, but I need you. Okay? So I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I need you. Maybe not in that voice. <laughs> okay, in other words, you are significant as an individual, but you're not self-sufficient. Okay, self-sufficiency is a lie. It's like an illusion of strength. It makes us feel powerful. But in the end, it will fail you. Okay, it's like kind of like, once again, use your wild imagination. Okay, imagine a huge muscular arm. Who has huge muscular arms? <laughs> My husband does. <laughs> okay. Imagine, or recently Pastor Christian of our church does. Okay, but imagine a huge muscular arm. It's so strong. Like, wow, right? Strong. Okay, but imagine the huge muscular arm disconnected from the rest of the body. What good does it serve? No good. Okay, in the same way, okay, when we are disconnected from the body, no matter how awesome you are, how talented you are, how holy you are, and how spiritual you are, it doesn't matter. Okay, there's no meaning apart from the larger body. This is why verse 21, it says that I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. The truth is the eye needs the hand and the head needs the feet and vice versa. Okay, no man, John Donne, if you guys are an English major, you'll know John Donne, the poet. He says, no man is an island entire of itself. Okay. And when I say need, I don't mean like, I need you to serve my purposes. I need you to make me happy. No. Hey, this is a need where you are coming from a place of humility. You're saying, without you, who I am will be incomplete. Okay? So, it's saying to the other person, you are essential to me. Okay? How do you, uh, how do you really just embrace other people? And how do you really recognize the other person as essential to you, what you have to do is really honor the person for the unique way that God has created them. Just like you honor yourself and you recognize how God has created you, you recognize how God has created the other person. Hey, this is easier said than done, I realized. And um, one of the ways that I'm realizing it more and more is after I got married. Because in the beginning with my husband, James, I don't know if you guys know him, but we kind of give off a similar vibe. Is that right? 
we're both kind of like laid back, kind of chill, you know, just kind of like, yeah, slow, a little slow, you know? And so when I first was dating him, I kind of had these like concerns because in my mind, I was like, no, opposites attract. I need someone who I'm different with so we can like really fit together and like cover each other's weaknesses and strengths. Okay. But then I was like, but this guy is so similar, you know? And one time I remember, um, I was, texting with him and you know as a woman you kind of want your man to be like jealous sometimes <laughs> so i was like i texted him and i was like you know i really love sojisub and sojisub is this korean actor that i really do like and so i was like you know i really love sojisub and then i was expecting him to be like oh, like dot, 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 or something like that, you know, where I know that he's kind of like jealous. But then he replied back in caps, me too. <laughs> he was like, oh my gosh, me too. And he was like, the reason why I grew my facial hair was because Sojiso grew his facial hair in a movie. He was like, have you seen this movie? And I was like, no, dot, dot, dot. But I mean, you know, you know what I mean? Like you, you, you really, you really want someone different. <laughs> and I was a little worried, but then, but then, you know, as the relationship deepened, as we got married, I realized there are many differences. <laughs> okay. And it's hard. It's hard when the other person is different to still feel like you need them. In fact, sometimes you just want to push them away. Like, oh, there's some differences that you're like, oh, that's cool. But some differences really rub you the wrong way. Okay. And for me, let me just give you an example, like gender differences, how men and women think differently. For me, if I ask a question to a girlfriend, like, hey, how was your day? Oh, you know, like blah, 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 da, 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 da. And then you go on for like five minutes to my husband. How was your day? Good. And in my mind, he doesn't love me. He doesn't love me. If he loved me, he would say more than good. But I realized men are different. Okay. But it's hard to embrace those differences. It's hard to do more than just tolerate other people, but to love them and to celebrate them and to embrace them fully. And I think this is the problem a lot of times when we come across people are different, cultural differences or personality differences, love language differences, whatever it may be. Hey, what are, we are tempted to do, especially in a non-marriage relationship, is to build walls, is to be like, all right, our friendship is over. You know, with your roommate, you can do that. Like, you guys don't get along. You can be like, I'm moving out. You know, but in a marriage, you can't do that. <laughs> Sometimes you want to, but you can't. Okay. And what I've learned through this process is that when you learn to really die to yourself and fully embrace another person, that's where the growth happens. And a lot of times we forfeit the opportunity to grow, not because God doesn't give us those opportunities through people, but because we so quickly build walls and we so quickly divide ourselves and detach ourselves from the body. And so if you have a difficult person in your life, let me just say, embrace them. Don't just walk away, but really take, take this opportunity to grow 
and to mature in love and to recognize that no matter how annoying they are, no matter how frustrated you are, that you do need them and they do need you. So how effective you are as an individual is proportionate to how connected you are to the rest of the body of Christ. Uh, Maturity is not about who we become as individuals apart from others, but maturity is who we become as individuals in relationship with others. Hence, the iron sharpens iron. (laughs) Okay, let me find my place. Okay, one way that you can do this is to be vulnerable. Okay, I know you guys had a relationship, what is it, vulnerability seminar with KK and Maria. I heard it was very powerful. Um, Did they mention Brene Brown? Yeah, okay, so a couple years ago, um, I, I was struggling with vulnerability. I didn't know I was struggling with vulnerability, but I was struggling with vulnerability. And the reason why I knew this was because I realized that when other people were struggling, I was so good at going to them and being like, are you okay? I was praying for people. And I, I was a pastor in Busan as well, so in New Philly, Busan. And so it was almost very natural for me to do that. But when I was struggling, I would never say it. And I would just wait for the other person to be like, how are you? But then I realized that people don't necessarily ask you that all the time. And in my mind, I was like, no, they need to ask me that so I can tell them how I'm doing. But vulnerability is for you to take the initiative and be like, hey, this is how I'm doing. And what vulnerability requires is it requires openness and it requires a lot of courage. Because as soon as you open yourself up, okay, you don't just open yourself up to understanding and another person's empathy. Sometimes you open yourself up to misunderstanding. Sometimes the person will judge you. Let's just be real, right? We've all experienced it in our lives. But you have two choices. One is to close yourself up and never grow in relationship. Or is to open yourself up And to connect with others. And to really gain those life-giving relationships. So vulnerability, though it may feel risky, is in the end empowering and life-giving. And this is really the only way that we can tell others, hey, I need you. I need you. Hey, it's also empowering because you have to realize that grace doesn't just flow from God to you. It's not like God is, you know, he's the only one that gives you encouragement and wisdom and intimacy. But grace is in this community. Grace is right here in this room. It's flowing right here amongst all of you guys. And a very practical example for this is uh, financial provision. So one time God told me, you know, one person's miracle, one person's generosity is another person's miracle. So when you receive a miracle of financial provision, a lot of times it's because someone was generous to you. That means that, Community itself has all the tools. It has all the grace that that you need. It doesn't just flow from heaven down to earth directly from God, but it flows in the community. And the way that you can open yourself up to that is through vulnerability and is through acknowledging that you need the person next to you. Okay, I don't have much time, so I'm just going to close with one more point really quickly, which is, Uh, If you look at, shoot, what verse? 
Okay, it's, I, I can't remember the verse number, but it's, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the bodies that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresent, unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Okay, who are the weak members of your community? Okay, who are the ones that you think are, quote-unquote, less honorable? Because there are some people that are easy to honor, if you have the mic, usually people honor you. Is that true? Yeah. You know, people are easily drawn to the person on stage. People are easily drawn to people with, like, loud personalities. Okay? But there are people within the body of Christ who are hidden. But it does not mean that they are dispensable. It does not mean that they are any less valuable. In fact, if you look at your body, what parts are hidden? Very good. Your organs, your heart, your lungs, your intestines. Okay, you can live without a hand, but you cannot live without your heart. Okay, in the same way, you're, just because you are hidden does not mean that you are not vital to the body of Christ. Okay, sometimes people are hidden. Okay, these people, for example, like in my mind, I think a lot about intercessors, people who pray. People who wake up in the middle of the night because God wakes them up to pray and who obey God to pray for the body. Many people don't know that these people are praying, but they are praying. And because of their prayers, the body of Christ is prospering. But do they get honored? Not really. Not most of the time. But are they vital? Absolutely. Okay. Another, Another part of the body. People who are weaker, people who... Um, maybe struggling. Perhaps they have some kind of struggle in their life, okay? And it's easy to not honor those kind of people, right? It's easy to just be like, oh, I just want to amputate you from my body, okay? But these are the people that we as a body of Christ must actively cover. Because what do you do to, to, do, to <laughs> do to those unpresentable parts? You cover them. Okay, God, when Adam and Eve sinned and they realized that they were naked, what did he do out of his mercy? He covered them. He made animal skins and he covered them. Okay, and as the body of Christ, we must not overlook the people who are struggling. We must not give them less honor, but we must learn how to cover them and honor them. Give honor where honor is not so obviously due. Hmm. A community that grows into full maturity is not only a community that exalts its strongest members, but it's a community that learns to cover its weakest, most vulnerable members with honor and love. You know, I think maturing can be a messy process. Um, I know you guys are still young. <laughs> But you still remember when your body hit puberty, right? How was it? <laughs> okay, it was messy. Your, home, your hormones go crazy and you have growth pains or whatever. Okay, so maturing isn't always the smoothest process. And the same way we make mistakes in our relationships, we sometimes fail in our attempts to love each other, even though we have good intentions. But my exhortation to you today is let's continue to extend grace to one another. Let's continue to cover each other's weaknesses, not to expose them, not to just bring division and, and 
uh, tearing down the walls that we have built in our hearts, not becoming weary of doing good. Romans 13, 8, I'll just leave you guys with this, says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. And as we pursue love as the most excellent way, you know, I believe that SNU, that you guys as a community will continue to grow and continue to mature as one. Okay, let me just pray for you guys. Uh, Father, I just thank you for each individual here in this room. I thank you, God, that you have made them the way that you have made them for a reason and for a very specific purpose. And God, I pray for those who are still struggling with any kind of insecurity. I just declare over them, God, that this is not their fate. It's not something that they will struggle with for the rest of their lives. But God, you will free them from every insecurity as you secure them in your perfect love. And so, God, I pray, Lord, would you open every person's eyes, God, to just the beauty and the, um, just the wonder, God, the awe, God, that you uh, have created them, Lord, to be, to this body, Lord. And, Father, I pray, God, also for SNU as a body, Lord, as a community, as a family. God, I just pray, Lord, for um, just, just deeper love, deeper vulnerability, God. Father, for relationships to be strengthened. God, for there to be one heart and one mind and one spirit in this place, God. Yeah, and SNU, as I was praying for you, you know, I just kind of um, was reminded of how Apostle Paul would go to a church and he would say, he would say, I'm just paraphrasing here, but he would say, you know, you've been talked about by other churches, you know, for the way that, for your faith, for the way, for your generosity, for the way that you love. And in the same way, I just really felt like God wanted you guys to know that it's not the size of your community, but what will you be known for? What do you guys want to be famous for as a community? And so, God, I pray, Lord, that this community will be famous, God, that they will be known, God, for the way that they love one another, for the way that they love the weakest, God, in this room. Father, Father, for the way that they cover, God, the vulnerable, for the way that they embrace, God, one another across differences, cultural differences, God, gender differences, family background differences, whatever it may be, God, that that love, Lord, would bind them as one. And so, Father, I just release blessing over this community. I pray, Father, that you would just continue to mature them into the fullness that you have destined for them, God, to reach. Yes, Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.